Welcome to Bench Reactions, an NBA podcast brought to you by the Turbo Team. You're not part of the Turbo Team! <laughs> I'm your host, Patrick Hervey, and I am joined today by the Giannis and Drew Holiday to Mike Chris Middleton, Zach Burnham, and Jason Lamprecht. <laughs> That's beautiful. I'm Drew, right? That's beautiful, I'm right? Drew, right? Yes. I will take yeah. it. Get me some Chick-fil-A nuggets. <laughs> Jason's Giannis. Give me some Chick-fil-A <laughs> and nuggets a and a, and a half, a, half a lemonade, half Sprite. <laughs> Half, I'm not even going to do the impression. Again. Okay. <laughs> On today's episode, we are going we're going around the league before we finish up with Jason's mud pie moment of the week. But first, let's talk about some news from this week. And the first news we're going to talk about it seems to be a theme on every single podcast we re- we record these days is more injuries. Paul George going down this week with a I think it's a knee sprain. Is that what it ended up being? Some sort of knee issue. I got to be honest with you guys. I thought it was going to be much, much worse than it actually ended up being because he went down pretty hard. I was obviously watching that game. It was against the Thunder. My my question for you guys is what do you think the, I guess, consequences for the Clippers are going to be because of this injury? I mean, supposedly the report is that he should come he will miss the rest of the regular season games should potentially come back for any playoff games. Think, thankfully for them, they are in a decent spot in the standings where I think at this point, it's pretty unlikely they're going to fall into the play in, but also it's the Western conference. So you really never know. They're, they're being helped by the fact that almost everyone, almost everyone behind them is losing. I don't, I, have they, have they played a game without him yet? I, did they play last night? I, I can't remember, but um, yeah, they did. They they played the Thunder with they played the their second oh, game against right. the Thunder, right? A couple nights ago, and they won that, right? So, yeah, Thunder. You know, have, had a had a tough trip to L.A., but but yeah, one 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 and two. Yeah, you know, they fought so valiantly yeah. and they lost. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, the interesting thing is that I feel like they, you know, they are a little less deep than they were before the trade deadline, but at the same time they have Eric Gordon and they have, um, you know, our, our favorite player uh, who's going to be able to take up a lot of those reps that Paul George would normally have. So, I mean, I think they could possibly stay afloat, but who knows if he comes back, if he's going to be able to come back at full strength, if they're going to, I, I think, you know, they've been basically 500 since the trade deadline. So I think I, I didn't have high hopes for how things were going to go for them anyway, but, if PG is limited at all, that might kind of put the fork in their hopes is to actually be a contender this year. It really sucks too because Kawhi is, has gone supernova the last couple months. He looks like he's back to peak Kawhi of the last few years. To your point, Jay, I, I do think it's. I don't think it's going to impact their seeding too much. So they're they're a half game up on the Suns and the Warriors for the four spot right now. They're two games up on the Timberwolves and the Lakers in the seven and eight spot. So unless they really fall off this last week, week and a half or so, I do think they're going to have one of those four to six seeds. It's just, what is, what is that actually going to mean for their playoff run? Right. If PG doesn't come back healthy, I just, I do think it's probably a wrap. It might be a wrap even with him. So we'll see how this goes. Honestly, I think they might be happy to fall a little bit in the standings to get out of playing the Suns in the first round. That's a brutal matchup for them. I think their biggest hope is that they can build some chemistry before they get 
to the really tough teams in the West. Now, who is the really tough team in the West? I don't know, but definitely Phoenix, we can say, is one. So have, not having to play them in the first round, being able to maybe win a series before they have to face a team like a Phoenix or, or Denver or Golden State, whoever it may be, Memphis, um, I think that really actually helps them. But yeah, as you guys said, if, if Kawhi or Paul George is not fully healthy, I don't think they have any shot. Uh, as good as their roster is, they just haven't put it together. Those guys haven't learned how to play together. And I don't really understand why, but so it goes. Are the Clippers are the Clippers just cursed? I feel like I come back to this every year. It's like they're starting to we're starting to see some things click a little bit the last couple of weeks, and then PG goes down. Every time anything good looks like it's going to happen, something bad happens almost immediately. It's just it's just brutal. I know Jason's heart heartbroken about it. I maintain my position that if they had given up on being in LA and become the Seattle team, that the goodwill and the good karma of that move would have finally vanquished the Clippers curse and uh, they would have won multiple championships by now. I'm just going to, just going to take that position, but no, they just, you heard it here first, Steve, <laughs> Steve Ballmer. Come on, man. You should have done it, man. You would have had my undying eternal love. Like, obviously we can't emphasize enough the impact that injuries have on the game and have had on this Clippers team, but it still is mind boggling with the rosters they've been able to put together over the last few years, especially this year that they've been unable to overcome this hump of mediocrity. Uh, even with Kawhi Leonard coming back and playing really well, Paul George has actually had a really good season, but they still are not winning, and it just doesn't make sense. Every year, uh, all the pundits come out, and they put the Clippers as one of the contenders in the West. A lot of people pick them to win the West, and did this year again, because that roster looks like it should compete, but it doesn't. And it, it, it honestly just doesn't make sense to me why they can't figure it out. Yeah, the annoying thing about this Clippers run is that, like, none of our takes, like, nobody's takes about them, either good or bad, are going to be, like, uh, either uh, confirmed or disproven because of the injuries. Like, if you thought it was going to work, you can point at it and say, well, yeah, it would have worked if they hadn't gotten hurt. If you didn't think it was going to work, yeah, and, and that's that kind of goes to what the conversation a lot of people have been having about the trade, which is was it a good trade? Was the trade worth it? Obviously, the better SGA plays, the worse that position looks. But not, nobody can really say whether it was a good decision or a bad decision because they've played one healthy season together, and that one healthy season did not go as planned. So, I mean, they all, I think they have one more year on Kawhi and PG's deals, right? And so it seems like every season we're like, this is the put-up-or-shut-up situation for the Clippers, but this next season really is going to be. And if it got, gets off to a bad start, I, I, it'll be interesting to see if one of those guys tries to, tries to find a new team, maybe even midseason. Um, but, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll see. I think what's tough is we... You know, it's it's really easy for us to sit here now and in hindsight go, yeah, that trade was terrible, right? Obviously, as a Thunder fan, I'm okay with it, <laughs> more than okay with it. We benefited uh, tremendously from that trade, but there is not one single GM that at the, I mean, I guess there may be a handful of GMs that wouldn't have done it, but I would say 90 plus percent of GMs would have done it at the time because that's what you do. You're trying to chase rings, not, you know, especially a team like the Clippers that has just not really had a ton of success in their franchise history. Zach Lowe and, and Jeff Van Gundy talked about this exact thing on the podcast this weekend. 
it's one of those trades that, yeah, of course it's going to look bad uh, in hindsight because Shea became the best player in the trade and they have all these picks and all these things. And if, and if the Clippers don't win, especially, yeah, it's going to look really bad. But every single general manager would have made it, almost had to make it because you have Kawhi Leonard who's saying, I'll come there if you go get Paul George. And you're putting together two of the premier wings in the league, the position that really dominates the landscape of the NBA. Like, everyone does that two times on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> I think the I think the interesting question or that, again, might have been answered if they hadn't been hurt is when you're putting together two stars, is it I, – I feel like the history of it is that it works out best when those two have different skill sets instead of kind of overlapping. Obviously, uh, a guy named Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen would would support the idea of putting two big wings together. But I think I think I'm curious to see. And the Celtics are also an experience or an experiment with this a little bit too, which is if your two best players are are wings with kind of overlapping skill sets, does that uh, make it? I don't know. Does that does that is that a uh, the maximum kind of potential for a star pairing. And obviously it just comes down to who you put around them. I mean, does I'm glad you, uh, do LeBron, sorry, sorry. do LeBron and Dwayne Wade count is that Wade was obviously a guard, but he, he was big enough to, to play as a wing and he played on the wing. You know? That's a good question. I mean, when they were at their best, LeBron played the four. So, I mean, yeah, it's interesting. Well, I'm glad you brought up the Celtics Jay, because that's a good segue into our next bit of news from this week, which is the comments from, Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics. He sat down with uh, with Logan Murdoch from The Ringer and gave an interview about his kind of tenure in Boston, some of the things that he's experienced in his time there, as well as his mindset really about where he's at now and what he's thinking about moving forward in the future. So I'm going to read a I'm going to read a quote, and then obviously we can react to the news. He said in in the interview, "quote We'll see how they feel about me over time." And I feel about them over time. Hopefully, whatever it is, it makes sense. But I will stay where I'm wanted. I will stay where I'm needed and treated correct. And that's the end of the quote. So is this him signaling that he's going to move on? Or do you guys think that it's something else or something in between? So they had an entire episode about this on the mismatch. And it was actually really good, worth listening to, even though it's all about the Celtics, Jason. Um and they go kind of go through the history of uh, sort of misunderstandings that the Celtics front office has had with Jalen Brown and kind of talk about his mentality and how he's sort of a mercur- mercurial player. But I obviously you can't help but read into it, but I don't think we need to read into it that much. What he's saying is to me is very clear. Give me the Supermax. That's all it is. And if they're not willing to give it to him, then he's going to leave. And if they don't give it to him, they're, they're dumb, honestly. I mean, he's one of the top 25 players in the league. He's a big wing, which, as we just talked about, is very, very valuable. So, I don't know. It really they just absolutely, comes down to- I mean, it's a no-brainer, man. Like, they absolutely should give it to him. I will say, Logan Murdoch went on the Bill Simmons podcast this week and talked about his article. And one thing he said at the end was he feels like and, – and his relationship with Jalen goes back to his Cal days because Logan covered – covered Berkeley at that time what he said was it's not all about money for Jalen I think what Jalen really wants is to be treated and feel like he's being treated as a partner and not as hey every time 
any sort of trade rumors come up, my name is always thrown into it. And I know we've talked about this before, but Jalen, that's gone back. In I, years. Like the, yeah. Yeah. A lot like Kawhi, right. Back in 2018, his name was thrown in there. Um, obviously the KD rumors and Bill's point was, why didn't the Celtics just come out and squash that and say, we're not trading him. We're not getting rid of him. We're going to pay him when the time comes. Like it's really not that hard, but it's, it does feel like a little bit of a lesson in, uh, in PR. Yeah. Even if they were actively like talking with the Nets about Kevin Durant, come out and say you're not. And then sources are going to be like, well, they're sort of lying about it or whatever. Like who cares? You're still coming out publicly to defend your guy. Yeah, I as much as I would like to read into this, as much as I just feasted on the rumors this week, I feel like no players are, after some very high-profile situations recently where players have made like very strong loyalty commitments verbally to teams and then ended up leaving them, like LeBron, KD, Kyrie, <laughs> like... I feel like players aren't willing to answer those questions and be like, yeah, I want to be here forever anymore because they know that it's a business and they know that things could change. And so I'm, I, I don't think a quote like this, like him not making this commitment is, it can be read into too much, but I exactly agree with you, uh, Zach, which is super max is going to be the, the deciding thing. And the deciding thing about whether he can even get the super max is whether he makes all NBA, which is insane. Yeah, man. Oh, oh. So what, what I was actually going to bring up as my question for ATL, yeah. but I figured we could talk about it right yeah. here, was what team stands to gain or lose the most in this stretch run? And I was going to talk about Boston. I, it's really Philly or the Nuggets. We've talked about them uh, already ad nauseum, so I wanted to talk about teams other than them. But Boston, like how they play down the stretch and if Jalen Brown gets that All-NBA is going to change their future uh, not just from like what their team can look like, but from a financial standpoint. Uh, because if he gets that Supermax, that's a lot of money wrapped up into two guys and their ability to build a team around them and to keep guys that are helpful like Grant Williams or Derek White. You know, that goes that it becomes really hard to keep those guys. Well, and then if say he may say he, you know, I think the worst case scenario for them might be he makes all NBA, then the playoffs, you know, work out in a disappointing way, then they have to decide, do we want to pay Supermax for this guy when we aren't sure if this group can get us there? And so, I, I mean, yeah, I think that it's an, it's an insane stretch for them. I think, I think five years from now, the post-mortem on this Celtics situation might go like right to this, the Ime Yudoka thing. Like if they had yeah. Ime who is, Clearly, like a, a a guy who the players like but also respect in that locker room with Jalen, he may be able to neg- to navigate this in a way that Missoula isn't maybe doing so well at that Brad Stevens may not be doing so well at, and so the fact that E may out of nowhere had that situation flare up and had to leave uh, may be the entire near future of this franchise and. The city deserves it, JK. But seriously, <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> speaking of uh, speaking of rocky coaches, I know Jason's not going to want to hear this, but uh, things in Dallas are are not 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 too good right now. Uh, ever since the Kyrie Irving trade, things have been less than ideal. There have been uh, some tiny ups and mostly a lot of downs, and the 
Mavericks dropped their third straight game last night against a Charlotte Hornets team at home to which they were favored by, I think like 15 and a half points. So, or the over under was 15 and a half. So, uh, it's, I mean, I don't know how dire you guys feel it is, but I feel like it's pretty dire right now. Luca came out and said, and I quote, I used to have fun. That's what he said after the game. So there, I mean, there's a legit shot that they're not even going to make the play in, which they're in 11th. I guess, I don't know. Like they're in 11th. They do. They, they owe their top 10 protected, protected pick to the Knicks. So this might not be like the worst thing in the world. Um, it is the worst thing in the world because they need to make the playoffs with, uh, with Luca, but I don't know. What do you guys think about the, the situation in, uh, in Dallas right now? So I talked about him on the last podcast and when we recorded, it was before this losing streak and I went on there saying, am I crazy to think that maybe they can come out? And then and I kind of agreed that night they lost. And then two other nights this week, lost, lost. Of course, I say anything. it's the burn of <laughs> these teams just <laughs> and granted, I knew that the assertion I was making was crazy. I mean, I was asking the question, am I crazy? And your first response, Pat, was, yeah, duh. <laughs> but uh, then I kind of came around a little yeah, bit. And it's and it's and it came down to just like, well, they have this offense and a lot of teams suck on defense this year. Like, maybe. But I think the not just the Luca issue. I mean, obviously everything in that organization revolves around him and keeping him happy. And so it all plays into that. But I'm very interested if is Kyrie gonna stay around? Like, does he have any interest in remaining in Dallas if they're just gonna be this totally mediocre team? I yeah. I think Kyrie's gonna stay where they where he gets paid. <laughs> that's my that's my take. Wherever he that's, can get the max, I think it's one he's of the be. most interesting free agencies we ever have based on the fact that he'll be completely yeah. unrestricted and hit the market for him may not be high enough to like keep any team out of the running. So he may just be able to pick. I honestly, I, I loaded up like Mavericks ammo, uh, ammunition to make them the mud pie of the week. And then I decided against it because I figured we'd talk about them up front. So let me just, let me just hit you guys with a couple things in their last eight games, two and six, and their only wins are a single-digit win over the Spurs and that absolute gift from my team, the Los Angeles Lakers, when we were up four with 15 seconds left. And then we fouled a, <laughs> fouled a three-point shooter and uh, gave up a three to win. That's, those are their only two wins in the last eight. Wow. Um, as of March 7th, so uh, let me plug Basketball Reference real quick because Basketball Reference has a page where you can check what the standings were on every date like throughout the season, it's super sick. Um, on March 7th, they were 34 and 32, fifth in the West. Uh, now, just a couple weeks later, 36 and 38, 11th in the West. Just an absolute, yeah. And now I have to kind of eat crow because at the trade deadline, I traded depth. I traded Clippers depth for Kyrie Irving. And <laughs> looks like the <laughs> Mavericks decision to trade depth for Kyrie Irving really, really didn't work out. I imagine they will still make it in the play-in, but those Luca quotes were so sad last night. He said he didn't feel like himself out there. Uh, he feels like it's, it, it, the disappointment or the frustration goes beyond basketball, which makes me think like... Seems like that happens a lot of places, Kyrie does. <laughs> <turns out. laughs> yeah. Speaking of Burnham curse, how about the Kyrie curse? Yeah. Uh, think I now at the time when the Lakers uh, 
released that report saying that they were no longer interested in Kyrie Irving. They were just going to sign D'Angelo Russell. And then they lost to Kyrie, like in a pretty masterful performance the next night. I was like, Ooh, this is makes me feel uncomfortable, but I'm feeling better about it again. <laughs> Let's get out of the Kyrie business. I'm joining. I'm jumping on the anti-Kyrie bandwagon. Finally, it's been it's been too long. Oh, yeah. it's about time, man. It's about time. <laughs> yeah, wel- welcome, welcome. I, I have obviously criticized. We have criticized Angela Russell enough, um, but I would much rather have Dr. than Kyrie Irving on my team, especially that Lakers team where he can just be a third third scorer, ball handler. I think the reason why D'Angelo is going to well, not not to get it too off topic, but I think one of the one of the main reasons why D'Angelo is great in LA is because you have Daddy LeBron there Definitely. to keep him in check. Yeah. The other thing uh, I wanted to point out is that um, that Hornets game last night, the Hornets had seven players in double figures, including former baby Lakers Svi Mikhailuk and and oh JT Thor. <laughs> Have and did, did you guys <laughs> JT Thor baby? Is he the guy with like colored uh, hair? I, I do not know. I have not watched. Maybe he had colored Thor hair at one point. No, I'm thinking yeah, of Nick, Nick Richardson. Richard, I think. Nick, yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. Um, and our guy Eric Collins. Did you guys watch the the Dennis Smith Jr. shot clip that ended the game? Um, Eric Collins goes the kill shot. It was incredible, <laughs> dude. He's the greatest. What a treasure! He is man. the greatest. Yeah. And then the. <laughs> Get him on national broadcast, please. And then he goes, Terry! <laughs> and then this, uh, and then this, like Hornets fan account retweets it with like capital letters: "Drive home safely." <laughs> and the fact that it's I Dennis Smith Jr. Man, whoo! Incredible. Obviously, some history. Obviously, some history there. <sighs> what a mess, though. Wow. Just JT just cool- Thor. That <laughs> talk about deep cuts, man. I had to look him up. I'm like, who is that? Just to uh, close the loop on Dallas, it all comes back to that nexus point of yep. Jalen Brunson. Yep. I was talking with a buddy of mine out here uh, who's a Dallas fan, grew up there, and he was making the point like, well, when Brunson was up for an extension, like he was, we were still unsure about it. We didn't really know he was going to turn yeah. into this kind of player. And then they didn't even get a meeting with him before he signed with the, yeah. with the Knicks. Um, but – then I was listening to Zach Lowe's podcast and he talked about how the deal for Brunson at the time was $14 million a year. That's a, and he would have signed it. He would have signed it. Yeah, you could have signed. People think Austin's going to get four years 50 now. So so to say that Jalen, like, oh, we didn't know if he was going to be that good. Like, dude, it was come only on. Four, for $14 million a year? Yeah, even if he's only a sixth man, that's yeah. worth it, you know? Also, Austin's Austin's worth fourteen million a year. Side but that's also that's Austin. <laughs> Hillbilly Kobe, baby, threw some money for Jalen Brunson. Oh my, that's like if yeah. you if you get that right, they, that sets you up for success for a decade. Yep. They have Brunson. They have DFS. They have Dinwiddie still. And then the move that they make at the deadline, instead of trading those guys, is using a pick or whatever they may have to bring in one one yep. more like defender. Yep. You know. Oh boy. And they're a conference finals team, just like they were it's last year. Bad. Did you guys see it is Tyrese bad, quotes last night? Just to finish off, he he did the old "if you got if you fans think you're so good, why don't you come play?" Which is just the lowest level of post game quote you can do, where you're like, where you're like, it, you uh, you got to put in the work to be as good as us to to like be able to complain about us because they got booed like hard uh, by the home crowd in the third quarter oh. um, when they were down eighteen. To the Charlotte Hornets, just that's the lowest level of fan interaction and frustration is when you start being like, 
screw you, I'm, I'm awesome at basketball and I make millions of dollars and you could never do what I do. Like, yeah. Yeah, you're right. All the, all the above <laughs> is true. Also, we haven't even mentioned a uh, little, uh, little, little second year Jason Kidd Ooh. magic going on. Just going to throw that out there. This is what happened with the Bucks. Yeah. It's not great. Yeah. I, I can't. Oh, and his atrocious. quotes have been, his quotes have been atrocious. not great either. <laughs> really He's bad. the locker room. I think it's pretty obvious. Uh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Maybe they can bring Honestly, Ime though, in there. Yeah. Honestly, they like should now. Like, like they totally now. should. Yeah. Yeah. Let's Just do like, it. Let him have a. <laughs> do it. Do it now. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I think this is a good segue into. I want to talk briefly about. I don't know if we're going to be able to do it briefly just because there's so it's, it's a hot jumbled steaming pile of garbage. That's not garbage. It's just a hot mess right now. The West play in race. There are, let me count this here. So you've got golden state. Well, golden state's probably safely in that six spot, I think, but you've got Minnesota, the Lakers, Pelicans, Thunder, Mavs, jazz. That's six teams that are all within a game and a half of each other in the seven to 12 spots. Who do you guys think out of all of those teams, who do you guys think is actually going to make it into those four spots? Because it changes literally every single night. I couldn't believe when uh, those four teams had the same record, just like yesterday before last night's games. Like it's and, the craziest and, I've ever and, seen it. It's and un- everyone it's in that four lost except for the Lakers. Thank you very much. Let's go. That was a great night for us. Um, but I feel like this playing game, I was just thinking about it. It's like, um, I don't know if you guys watched The Last of Us at all, but like The Last of Us is just like danger on every corner during the zombie apocalypse. And like every time you think you're good, like this sinkhole opens up and a thousand zombies run out and kill you. That is this play in the race for me. I was like, when we went into that game where it was like, where we were playing Houston after the Pelicans and, and then like, uh, Luca wasn't going to play for the Mavericks. It was like, oh, we're good. And then a horde of zombies came out of a sinkhole and we went like two and, or one and two that week and fell back to 11th. It was just crazy. So I'm not taking any uh, victory laps until game 82 is over on this stuff. But I think I, I would say I'm pretty confident in Minnesota to stick in that four, especially with Cat back. And I think Ant is close, it seems. And I, yeah. I, I think, I think the LA team is going to stay in the four. I don't know where in the four, but I think the vibe, the vibes are good and people are playing well. So I, I, and LeBron might be back before the last week of the season. Everyone else is going to be a real, real question mark. I think the Thunder and the Jazz are going to. Well, I don't know. I can't say any of this confidently I because put, the Pelicans I put have OKC looked crappy for so long. Pelicans every day, no doubt. You think so? I don't want to be too much of a homer. I don't know how many times I'm going to reference that. I was just going to say on our pod, <laughs> but his thunder love and saying oh, like yeah. they could maybe like shock a shock a top seeded team and win the first round series. I mean, it just like made my heart no, I, blow. I was, I was so happy yeah. to hear it. But they're they, good. they actually they're just could. straight up good. They're in every game, man. They're not getting blown out by anybody. Like they were in the game last night. They were, yeah. well, the Clippers pretty much blew them out, but they did win I the game. I was honestly surprised that. that the Lakers were able to pull it out with it being close late because I thought Shea was going to take it home. They missed a lot of shots that were like good Thunder offense shots down the stretch that would have um, uh, flipped the game. But yeah, I 
I think they're stri- just straight up good. And I think you can rely on them to some extent. That's why like a week, you know, a few days ago, I was like, why don't we just put Chet out there? Just let him run around a little bit. See what it looks like. Because it looks like he's healthy. Yeah. Right? Just let him block some shots, man. You know? Even if he doesn't touch Dude, the ball should. on offense, you know? I mean, you guys have seen their front court, court rotation. They're they're throwing out <laughs> Olivier Saar playing big minutes against, or at least some minutes against the Clippers. They've Usman got Jang. Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Jay, the, yeah. Who's not Usman Jang. Dude, Jalen Williams is like 6'8". They're all like 6'9 and below. We don't have a 7. Yeah. I mean, I guess Saar is taller, but that dude has played right. zero until the last two weeks. Yeah, now that we're talking it's about crazy. it, I feel like if I could put a bet down... I would uh, on who would make the play in. It would be Wolves, Lakers, Thunder, Mavericks, with a lot of a lot of trepidation. I think Lucas yeah. Lucas yeah. too good to not get in. If he doesn't get in, that's pretty disappointing, honestly. But I, like I I can't pick for because none of those teams inspire any confidence. I think the only team I want to say like with like ninety percent certainty will get in is the Lakers. <laughs> Don't <laughs> you dare. Do not say that. I, I know yeah. I should talk bad about Zach, it. I will say it. Let's rewind. I will say it. The only team I feel good about with about 90% confidence is the Lakers. I'm going to erase the Zach part. No longer cursed. <laughs> oh, man. Like last week, I talked about the Grizzlies and how they were like kind they're of back. struggling and stuff. And now Jaw's back and they're looking good. Anti curse. Anti curse. Like it goes both ways. Jaron Jackson Jr. looks like, like 27. Oh, my gosh. Dude, Jaron Jackson Jr. is awesome. He's balling out. He is balling out. Um, I mean, the 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 one team that I I don't think we should underestimate their last minute tank ability is the Jazz. Some of the lineups they're throwing out. I mean, you got like Simone Fontecchio playing major minutes in some of these games. It's not not they shade really want to lose. It's Simone, but I think they do, and I don't blame them. I mean, they're not they you know they're not that far out from having one of those like top six to seven lottery spots. Yeah. I, for a long time, I wanted the Thunder to lose. I didn't want them to get into the playoffs, but you know, I don't really know these guys and I haven't heard like extremely good things about any of the mid, uh, mid round or late lottery type guys in the draft. Like last year I was like stoked about Jalen Williams and then we got him and it was awesome, but I don't really have that kind of guy. Uh, obviously I'll get more into the draft in the next couple of months, but I, I want them to make the playoffs, man. And I want that to spur some changes and some, some movement towards uh, contending and trying to win games again. So, yeah. yeah. At some point the, the picks, I mean, look, we, we've talked about this. There's the whole Trevor tre- treasure chest full of picks. And at some point Trevor's chest. you only have so many spots. Yeah. <laughs> you've got Trevor's, Trevor's chest. chest. <laughs> that's a nick that's my miller. that's my new band that's my new band name trevor's chest that's a nick miller to thing. go along with uh i was i was gonna throw this out earlier uh zach threw out hump of mediocrity with the clippers i think that's my new band name <laughs> i called it all right boys well on that note let's go ahead and uh and head around the league this is the segment where we each come to the pod with a question any question that we are thinking about and would like to discuss. We're going to kick things off with Jason. Jason, what do you got? So it, it kind of ties into that conversation we're having about who's going to get in the play-in to some extent and who, I guess, who's going to be the sixth seed where the Clippers fall. But um, as of right now, Memphis, Sacramento, Clippers are the 2-3-4, which means they would all have home court in the first round if the season ended today. My, que- my question is, 
if you are, say you're the six seed, seven seed, um, or maybe even the four seed, I guess, or, or the five seed, I don't think the four or five is going to change really at all. Um, so we'll kind of leave them out of it. But if you're, if you're trying to do some uh, shenanigans, trying to jockey for position for a first round matchup on the road, who are you? Who are you jockeying to get into a, round, a matchup with out of those three? Because Memphis looks good. Uh, we don't know how uh, high their ceiling is necessarily without Clark, um, and we don't know whether Adams is going to come back. But a whole all that hullabaloo about John Morant missing potentially the rest of the season that is definitely blown over, and he looked really good this week when he came back. John, I think I got cut off when I was comparing Jaron Jackson Jr. to 2017 Anthony Davis, but that's kind of what he looks like right now. They have a legit three. So as them, we have Sacramento, who's just been absolutely solid, consistent, buzzsaw, and who is going to score on you. And then we have the Clippers, who, like, if PG's healthy, potentially have a high ceiling in a playoff series, and you've got to face down the Terminator with Kawhi, but at the same time, they... You know, you know that those guys, uh, health concerns aside, could definitely lay the lay an egg in any game they play. And so, yeah. And plus, the Clippers aren't. I mean, the Clippers have a have a less than impressive home court advantage. I'll say, having been to a playoff game at Staples or at yeah, you know, well, it was Staples then. A Clippers playoff game at Staples Center. It is not the most hostile environment. I'll say. So yeah, who do you who who do you got? If you're trying to jockey for that seventh seed, who do you want to be the second seed? As much as I would like to say another team and not say this team, I think you still have to go with the the Kings. If only because, look, they're obviously dynamite on offense, but their defense, they're still 26th on defense for the year. Again, that's comparing them against some of these teams that have been actively trying to lose games for the entire season. I just don't... I don't have a high level of confidence in their ability to get stops in the playoffs when the game slows down. I think that they're still going to, their offense is probably still going to be really, really good during the playoffs. But the other thing that I was thinking about is as we look at seeding, I was thinking about the Warriors specifically, right? So they're a team who has, we've documented it very well on this podcast. They have been terrible on the road. If they were to play the Kings in the first round, that's like an hour away from San Francisco. I wonder how much of their home crowd would actually travel to Sacramento for that series. And if that would make a difference in their ability to actually win games in Sacramento. So that's that's who I'm going with. The Grizzlies have, in my opinion, a little bit more of a track record. Granted, they don't have a ton of playoff success over the years, but they had a good run last year. And then the Clippers, I still just, Kawhi, when it comes down to it, is still going to be a monster in the playoffs no matter what and get it done. So my answer is the Kings. I think it comes down to what team I'm representing in this. Uh, as you always say, styles make styles makes, how do you say it correctly? <laughs> styles make fights. Styles make fights. Yeah. Style. Trevor's chest. <laughs> Trevor's chest. So yeah, it really comes down to what the matchup is. Like if I'm the Mavericks, you guys might be surprised at this one. I think I'd rather play, the Grizzlies, because you have two perimeter scores who don't necessarily rely on getting to the hoop where Jaron Jackson Jr. is roaming. They only have one above average like or like really solid defender on the wing in Brooks. Bain is good, but if I'm Kyrie or Luka, I think I can deal with Bain. 
And if and if I can switch on to Jaw, then I'm going to feast. But like Mavericks versus Kings are basically two teams that are just going to gun. And I think the Kings are more reliable. Now, that doesn't mean they beat the Mavericks in the playoffs. I mean, Luka has all the experience and he's a great playoff player. So the Mavericks might still win that. But I think I'd rather take on a team where I am pretty sure I can outscore them and whose strength in defense uh, I can sort of go against a little bit. Who are the other teams? The the, the T- Warriors? Wolf, or, yeah, Wolves maybe. Yeah, Wolves, Warriors, Lakers. Uh, Lakers, I would not want to play the Grizzlies for the same reason. More yeah. interior scoring. Harder time going against Jaron Jackson Jr. I'd probably want to go against the Kings and just use like my experience and the ability to sort of bully them a little bit. Warriors, I think the Warriors might end up beating any of those teams. So, no. Just just when I was ready to quit on the Warriors, they've gone and won <laughs> three games and looked really good. It's like it's it's snip snap, dude. They are the snip snap team of the 2022-23 season. <laughs> snip snap, snip snap, snip snap. <laughs> It drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. I hate it. I'm just like so terrified of them in the playoffs against any team. Um, yeah, I do want to throw this out real quick because the NBA, they really are. Um, granted, I know that that KD is set to to come back, but what is he going to look like? You know, is he going to be able to? He does have a track record of coming back from injury and looking exactly the same. But Phoenix has looked bad, man. They have looked bad for the last week, week and a half or so. And I don't know, as I'm saying this, it sounds dumb because any team that has KD, you know, you're not going to want to go up against. So just ignore me. I was going to, I was going to say, should we include the Suns in this group? But <laughs> I think KD is just too devastating in the playoffs, man. I think the if team that healthy. I That's most want to face caveat. just as a general rule is probably the Clippers. I smell blood. <clears throat> yeah. You know, I, I don't was... know if they're going to be healthy. I don't like their rotation is something that I would look at and be like, we can beat these guys. Like, unless if Kawhi goes supernova and is just Kawhi of four years ago or whatever, then you're not going to win no matter what. That guy's just too good when he's at his best. But otherwise, they're just, they're a team that just loses to bad teams all the time. And these teams that are making the playoffs, even the ones who have been inconsistent, like the Mavericks or the Lakers, come playoff time, they have the guys who are really good and can, and can win a playoff series. So yeah, I actually your styles make fights kind of talk what kind of inspired me to think about the matchups and honestly, like I'm I might go out on a limb and say if I as a Lakers fan I want I want the Clippers too cuz I can have Jared Vanderbilt make Kawhi's life hell for every minute he's on the co- on the court. Not that he's, not that he's going to stop him, but he's going to make it hard for him. And then I mean, I have I have re- recent experience watching the Lakers play a playoff series against a team where we got to play kind of where the other team was playing four on five on offense against us because we left their point guard wide open. <laughs> and to the extent that Ty Lue's going to be stubborn about playing, and I'm going to make it clear who I'm talking about, Russell Westbrook. Um, um, I know. He said it. He said, <laughs> said the name. name. What? Yeah, we did it. The time has, <laughs> we did the it. time has, Time heals all wounds, you know. What <laughs> growth, what growth you've shown. I'm so proud of you. But to the extent that Ty's going to be uh, stubborn about playing him big minutes, they're in a pl- in playoff basketball, to some extent you're playing four on five in the half court. And that makes it extra hard. So I'm going to put up myself on a limb, and if this doesn't work out, it's going to really hurt if we get this matchup and lose. We, I mean, dude, we saw that, to your point about playing four on five, we saw that with 
in the Philly Golden State game last night, PJ Tucker, Draymond Green was just completely playing off of him and he didn't do I don't think he scored last night at all and he played heavy minutes. Um so what you're saying is you don't think that Mason Plumley is the Anthony Davis stopper? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> oh, I would love to watch a a, a classic Dookie get <laughs> get dunked on over and on? over throughout a playoff series. It's just great. That would be fantastic. I think the styles make fights. Debate really comes down to how good you think the Lakers defense can be. If they could stop Sacramento, I definitely would want Sacramento because they're not stopping Anthony Davis down low or LeBron James taking it to the hoop at all. Yeah. So I don't love the Lakers defense right now, but statistically that does not match the eye test because they've climbed to 13th in defense after being real bad for most of the season. So we'll see if, see if the eye test is giving me concerns that aren't actually there, but they're good. They're definitely good enough, especially in the front court defensively for sure i think any if, if lebron comes back healthy i think any team in the west should be terrified of the lakers because who is who is matching up well against lebron and ad i can't think of a single team in the west right now that has the the guys to actually stop them i mean i think triple j would would hold his own against ad but like who's guarding lebron in that scenario Dylan um, Brooks. it's not the it, it's not the nuggets it's not the suns i mean nobody yeah, Dylan Brooks could pester him a little bit, but yeah. the second LeBron like decides he just wants to play like back down basketball with his turnaround fadeaways and whatever he wants, it's over. And if D'Lo looks yeah. anything like the guy he looked like for the first stretch of games with the Lakers, where he's just draining everything from the outside, it's going to be really tough to stop. But you know, uh, on the other hand, he's also had a lot of really bad games, like five for nineteens recently and stuff. So yeah. And if, Dilo, if Austin Reeves know. is the new, like, I don't know, Derek Rose or, or whatever he is, <laughs> he has been the last little bit. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a guy who scores 25 and but also has 11 assists, you know. I was going to say he gets the, the Kobe, line. He's been getting the line Kobe like never crazy. passed that much. <laughs> hey. Kobe had this weird spouts where he would like, he would be like passive, like passive aggressively really good at passing. Oh yeah, he'd do it. <laughs> or he'd be like, oh, you think I can't pass? No, you yeah. think I can't pass? Okay, let me go out and get 10 assists. And he no, he'd have months where he'd average a triple-double just because he wanted everyone to know that he could do that if he wanted to. Out of spite. Yeah. <laughs> out of <Yeah>. spite. <laughs> oh, man. Well, let's go ahead and, and move on to my question. My question will probably be a little bit of a quicker conversation. I wanted to, we've been talking about obviously the same teams, what feels like the last three, four weeks, just as we get into this, we're, we've been in the stretch run, we're heading into the playoffs. I wanted to give some love to the bottom feeders of the league. So my question is, which of the four worst teams in the league right now, so that's Charlotte, Detroit, Houston, and San Antonio, do you guys think will make the playoffs again first? So I think that the smartest answer is probably the Hornets because they're the closest. They ha they were the most recent ones to go. And like going into this season, they look like a team that could maybe be pushing for a play in spot, maybe the eighth seed, you know, and they have a guy who was hurt most of the year, who was an all-star last year already on their team. None of those other teams have all-stars. So I'm going to go with the Hornets, even though I really want to say Pistons. The real answer might be whichever team ends up with Victor. That's fair. That's exactly what I was going to say, too. The answer is whoever ends up with Victor. But like putting that aside, I, I'm going with the team you didn't go with, which is the Pistons. 
I mean, Cade hasn't played since November 8th. Um, you know, who knows what he's going to look like next year, but he's going to be extension eligible after next year, which might kind of put a little pep in his step. James Wiseman looks like an NBA player. Like, I mean... Yeah, he's looked good. I mean, yeah, I mean, anybody can put up numbers on Detroit to some extent. Killian Hayes is averaging eight assists in the month of March, but... <laughs> Do you want to know who's looked good? Put some, good? Res- put some respect last, on Killian's like, name. Two months, three months almost. Jaden Ivey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. He was really yeah. had a really slow start to his NBA career, but he's sort of like slowed down his pace. He's looking more to pass and to find openings as opposed to just attacking. Uh, he looks like he could be a real player. And him and Cade, if they can figure it out, that two guard. I mean, honestly, Cade is so big that he's kind of a wing. Yeah. He's like a point guard and a wing's body. Yeah. But if they can figure it out, like that could be a really fun team. Also, depending on who they can get in the trap. I kind of think they, yeah, I, I feel like they might be, if their guys turn into what they look like they could turn into, they might be built best around who their star is right now. And um, on the other hand, they have lost 14 of their last 15 games. So, <laughs> you know. They're trying to lose, though, man. Yeah. They're trying to keep they're that bottom the spot. Worst team I mean, in the yeah, right now they they are. They have the worst record. I will say they they do feel like I mean they're going to have the highest shot at at getting Wemby, but I think they're the perfect Brandon Miller team. If he were to, they don't really have that that wing yeah. guy. I know Cade yeah. is is as big as a wing, but um, I just I'm I'm with you, Jay. That that was my my pick would be uh, the Pistons. I just what I struggle with is Houston's infrastructure is a hot steaming mess right now. They've had some guys that have popped a little bit lately. Jabari Smith has looked much better recently. Um, I still like Jalen green. I I haven't really been, uh, I haven't loved what I've seen from him this season, but I don't know how much of that we can, how much of the blame we can place directly on him versus just the infrastructure of Houston, the weird James Harden going back to Houston rumors. I know I brought that up recently. I, I don't feel great about them. The Spurs, Again, if they get Wimby, uh, I think they could be back within the next two, three years. But I don't. Their roster is like, who do I they think have? They, that's really they look the furthest away, at least from a talent standpoint. Yeah. Right. I just think about the talent piece, and I, I know we just hit on a lot of the the guys that the Pistons have right now. I just I like the talent that they have. Um, yeah, I think Kate is that guy. We'll see if he can stay healthy and continue to develop. But a guy that we didn't mention was. And, and probably because it feels like they have 7,000 centers on the roster. Yep. But Jalen Duran is another guy that I was watching. Uh, I was watching some of their game. This just, just, this should just tell you how much of an NBA sicko I am. I was watching some of the Pistons game last night. Sicko. And uh, J- Jalen Duran is good, man. Like, and the dude is, he just turned 19 in November. He's so young and he's already shown incredible flashes this year. So, I think the future is bright there and they have, they do have some veteran guy. Like if they do keep Bogdanovich, I think they could be back there within the next couple of years, potentially. Yeah. If they keep Bogdanovich and they land Victor, Holy cow. Like that roster starts to look really good, really fast. If those, if those yep. two guards take a step next year and then Victor eventually, like, but to your point about Duran, he looks so good that I like, that was like the biggest question mark with them getting James Wiseman. It was like, are you going to take minutes away from Duran? Uh, maybe Wiseman or Duran turns into a trade chip or something now. But man, they, I, Arvin I really Bagley, Isaiah Stewart. I mean, they have so they have so many centers. It's crazy. Yeah, all all those guys eventually will go. 
Uh, Especially, I, I yeah. would maybe keep like Duran and, and Isaiah Stewart and then like use Wiseman in the trade. Yes. Hope he's built his value up a little bit. I think, uh, I think the key there is to let is hopefully Dwayne Casey survives this um, because this is not his fault. He's a good coach. Like he's been there. He has playoff experience. Um, I think he's a really, really good coach for the, for this team going forward. I mean, he may not be the guy that eventually takes them to the top top, but I think he's a solid floor raiser and I'm worried that he won't survive this. You haven't, we really haven't heard any rumblings though. I mean, you've heard rumblings about other guys like Steven Silas in Houston. You definitely heard rumblings about him. Um, I still don't understand the Steve Clifford hiring in Charlotte, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, my thing with Charlotte is to me, it's so much dependent on what that ownership group looks like moving forward. There's been talks that MJ is going to sell. I just, they have LaMelo outside of that, you know, I don't know. You got the Miles Bridges situation that obviously was not ideal in any way, shape or form, both on the court and off the court. I think that really affected their organization. Because with Bridges. It was a big part of their plan. And then if, yeah, if Hayward's healthy, Rogier is a good player. They actually had like a pretty solid lineup. They weren't going to make any noise, but they were going to push for a playoff spot, as I said earlier. Right. But yeah, I was going to, I would put Houston second out of the four for me. I would go probably Detroit, Houston, Charlotte, San Antonio, just because Houston's, Houston's been looking dangerous recently, man. It's not an easy place to get a win anymore the way it was early in the season, Um, or at least not for a team that's. They've got talent. They definitely have talent. No doubt. I mean, Tari Eason's another guy that I really like. Tari Eason yeah, back cuts in the, uh, in the, in Tari the, Eason back in the rookie sophomore game, baby. I know. I love you, Tari. Sorry just, for uh, disappointing Giddy, man. Disappointing Giddy by not cutting. Back up for Tari. You didn't cut. Come on, man. If I can just add, if we extended this just with one more team to the fifth worst team, the Magic would by far oh, be yeah. the best. That's Watch what, out for them. That's next why I didn't, year, I didn't include them. That's why I didn't include no them because I'm like, that's not that's a no brainer. Well, they're going to be really good really soon, I think. Yeah, especially if they get a top, you know, three pick. Scoot, scoot, scoot to Orlando. Baby. I'm going to wish into existence. They haven't scoot to Orlando. Victor to to Detroit. They haven't had a lot any lottery luck since the early '90s. Like they've actually had like anti lottery curses throughout the last 15 years. So. Except, except why? True, that's true. Paolo. Oh yeah. Isn't it weird to think about like how we, we used to talk about Dwight Howard's like the second best player in the game? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was. Zach Lovo. Hey, like, now he's the first best best player in China. No, in, uh, Taiwan. <laughs> Difference. Oh, Taiwan, politi- geopolitical differences. Well, well, there. well yeah. China would. <laughs> yeah, would say yikes! Sorry. <laughs> second best player in China. <laughs> When Mo Bamba went down, you know what they say about Mo, <laughs> we we support you Taiwan. Top when Gun, Mo baby. Bamba went down, Lakers Twitter was like, "Should we give Dwight a call?" <laughs> oh my gosh! You know what they say about China? Ch- chicken to China, the Chinese chicken. You know, you have it. You have it. You have a drumstick and your brain stops ticking. Um, okay. On that note, let's go ahead and uh, and kick it over to Zach for Zach's question. What do you got, Zach? All right. So we've had some conversations, and especially Jason has uh, voiced his opinion about how he does not like the MVP award anymore and the way that it's given out. So my question is, if we're going to change the MVP award, basically what should the NBA's premier individual award be? How should it be given out? Like, What is the criteria for it? And maybe most importantly, who should be the people who vote 
to give this award? I'm going to start with Jason just because I think you've thought about it more than us. But So, you know, it's funny. Um, I've, I've obviously been talking down the MVP uh, quite a bit, and I, I don't want this to, to feel influenced by the fact that Joel Embiid might actually end up winning it. Um, but, but I was... Don't you flip on me now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, JK, I love it now. It's no. the best. <laughs> no, I was thinking about it. And, and I, I did come to the conclusion that, I, that there's, there certainly should still be regular season MVP. And it should, it should be it, seen with some level of importance because the guy who wins the championship and wins final MV, finals MVP, that's sort of... I mean, winning the championship is sort of the the kingmaker in and of itself. Um, so you don't really need an award to do that. Um, like everyone kind of knows who won the championship. doesn't really matter. And we do need to support the regular season being important. Like we do need to do something to make sure guys have something to play for during the regular season. So I'm, I'm going to, my answer to what should the premier award be is actually going to be shockingly it should stay regular season MVP but we just have to change how it gets decided and my new proposal which I've worked through a lot of different uh, versions of this but part, partly influenced by uh, Van Gundy and, and Zach Lowe talking about this which is each of the each of these possible voting groups has issues the players sometimes screw around the coaches have biases the media has biases and doesn't watch everybody's games and so I, I think the players need to be a stakeholder. The players voted on regular season MVP until 79-80. They were the voters. And if you look at those results, they seem, I mean, I didn't watch those games back then, but they seem pretty representative of who, was, who were the best players back then. And so I think, and I think we can trust the players to not screw around with regular season MVP to the extent that they screw around with All-Star because All-Star really doesn't matter. So here's my proposal. 30 players get votes. One player per team. At the beginning of each season, the players on each roster elect a member of their team to be the MVP delegate at the end of the season. Those 30 players vote, and that makes up a third of the voters for the MVP. Um, Another third is the coaches. Another third is the media. And I think that that could actually get us pretty close to accounting for all the different groups' biases and get as close to the best answer for MVP that we can get. Because players have their biases too when it comes to styles of play. There are certain types of players that players just think are better when maybe they aren't necessarily analytically or objectively. And the same applies to the media. So I think if we combine them and the coaches we, I, and, oh, and the important part is players can't vote for themselves. Coaches can't vote for their own players. And, and so I think the biggest danger here is that players and coaches could try to influence stuff like contracts. But if it's only one player per team and it's like elected by the, I, th- I think we cut against that a little. But that's my proposal. What do you guys think? I like it. I, I think the short answer to all of this is to me, there's not a perfect answer. Right? There's not a perfect solution that's going to work seamlessly. You're always going to have a little bit of risk of, to your point, Jay, like how seriously are the players going to take it? 
Is there going to be collusion that takes place? Is there going to be, I mean, cause I mean, I, I think too, that the thing that we didn't touch on is, and I don't know with the new CBA, if this is how things are going to look, but so much of guys contracts and the money they make is tied to this stuff. And that's where I think you get into really dangerous territories. You have all this bias comes into play, whether consciously or subconsciously that impacts dues livings. And I just, again, I don't have, I don't have the answer, but I, I like the solution you came up with Jay. I think that's as, it's as good as, as any. Yeah. I was going to talk about that. Uh, the fact that all NBA voting MVP awards, all-star voting affects uh, how, how much money you guys make. And that's something that didn't exist until I think 10 years ago, 15 years ago, something like that. And that's something that needs to be taken out. Zach Lowe, again, bringing him up. Uh, he talked about it on the pod, how he actually feels like almost unworthy to cast a vote in the, for these awards, because he knows that his vote determines like whether Jalen Brown is going to be eligible for the supermax or whatever it may be. I think that should come out of it. And I do like the idea of splitting up the voting between three different blocks of voters. But as JVG and Zach Lowe were talking about it and the different groups, I was kind of coming around to the media maybe actually being the best source for voting uh, because all the groups have their biases and the things that they like, but the media tends to pay attention more holistically uh, to what is going on around the entire league, uh, especially, and now, you know, maybe they need to take a, a hard look at who the voters are, who they voted for in the past to sort of weed out some of those guys who have either outdated methodology or who are only voting for players from their cities uh, and tend to focus on the guys who have a more uh, national audience and appeal and, and, and perspective. But um, yeah, it's really hard to, hard to know who should vote. So my actual decision for who should vote, I think it should just be us, whoever we, we give out the Benchies MVP. <laughs> yeah. And that's, uh, that's who gets the action. No, I do still here, like here, the idea. Here, here. If we do keep it with the media, we should one, take out, the money aspect uh, of all NBA affecting contracts, that sort of thing, figure out another way to do it. And two, we should have a separate award from the players that they give at the end of the season. As we've talked about before, that's not who is the best player this year, but who at the end of this year is the best player in the NBA, which sort of takes into account like, Oh, Giannis is sort of seen as like by like 80% of the media or whoever as like the best player in the league. And we're just kind of like saying, Giannis is still the best, Giannis is still the best. No, I totally, and I'll echo what you said about kind of taking a look at who the media voters are, if it is going to stay media. I've, I've likened this to the Oscars in the past. And something the Oscars have done the last few years is they diversified their voting block. So there are more people of color, more international voters, more younger voters versus a bunch of old 75-year-old white producers. And it's produced pretty awesome results and um i think if i think we if we took a look and just try to diversify the backgrounds of the media people voting like i don't know if nikaias duncan has a vote but he should oh he's people, absolutely yes. chris herring another one yes. i mean there's i think he has a vote but yeah i 100 percent agree jay i think the representation piece is really important i also think that just the like i don't know how you would measure this but how seriously the 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 individual takes the award or, or the process too. Like I think about 
Nikias Duncan, Chris Herring, Zach Lowe, like Ryan Brasillo is another one who just watches games religiously, watches every single night, is able to like decipher stuff and really think about it in a as as an unbiased way as as possible. So I do think there's a way that we can get to the the media. Um, KOC is another one. Like I, they they take it really seriously, and it's not something that they just are like, oh, I really like this guy, I'm going to vote for him. Let's go ahead and wrap this baby up with uh, with some sloppy, stinky mud pineness. It's a Jason. It's a really quick and dirty one, thankfully, uh, for this pod's sake. I think so. This is an NBA (laughs) pod, but and I feel like this mud pie gets to kind of uh, slip through a little, slip through the cracks here of an exception because Brandon Miller is no longer a college player. His college career is over, so. If he's not a college player, then we get to give him a mud pie because he's basically an NBA player now. Um, last night, uh, Brandon Miller against San Diego State in the Sweet 16. Three for 19 uh, from the floor. For the tur- that is for the, stinky. For the tournament, he has the, for like the number of field goal attempts he's taken, um, he has the lowest field goal percentage in like the history of the NCAA tournament. So... I love Yikes. my guy. I still stand him. I I'm a little bitter because I picked Alabama to win the championship in my bracket. Yep. yep. <laughs> um, I'm kind of sick of future NBA pro- prospects not being great in the tournament. I feel like the last like top level prospect who was awesome in the tournament was Mello, and that was like a very long time ago. <laughs> no, Adam Morrison, Jimmer for that. <laughs> Hey, Which is actually yeah, a year actually Jimmer Jimmer balled out. So you're yeah. still right. Um, <laughs> he was. It's like and and you know, Brandon. Here's the thing: if you want people to forget about this whole other thing that happened and the pat downs and stuff, if you're gonna be like stunting on people with the pat down, you gotta play well. Like you gotta be you gotta be great. You gotta win. And then no one will talk. No one will talk about that. Nobody talked about like Allen Iverson's. Uh, kind of run in at that like bowling alley in in Virginia, you know. Uh, if you win, people forget about it. But that's not how you do it, buddy. Three for nineteen. That's a sloppy mud pie. Should have used a bigger slice. Much bigger slice. I will say, isn't he playing and through a there groin injury? There was a injury? report that he had a groin injury. He gave some quotes after the game saying it didn't bother him at all. But maybe that's just him being like tough. I don't know. Still might say. Uh, <laughs> curse strikes again, man. I got to take a little bit of responsibility for that mud pie. I was talking, Stop talking, about, I was talking about his, I was talking about how he could sort of put this narrative behind him with good play leading up to the draft and like all this stuff. And then he just, just another reason not good. for these it's guys not to not no. go to college and just like go to the G league where no one's going to watch. Honestly. I feel like that's a big problem right now and why we have really very few high-level NBA pro- prospects in the tournament. But, yeah, well, uh, I'm still willing to believe in, in our guy Brandon Miller. I'm he- still here for him. Keontae George's team lost two. Jarese Walker's team lost two. These high-level Basically what we're saying is Marquise course, Powell man. needs to be the number one pick. Am I right or am I right? Or Noel. Sorry, Powell. Mark- we are struggling today. Marquise Noel. Marquise Noel. I was like, Noel. Incredible. Let's go. 5'8". He's the next Jalen Brunson. He's great. He's the next Jaylen Isaiah Brun- Thomas. How tall is Jalen Brunson? Jalen Brunson, he's Jalen Brunson six feet. 
He's got to be six yeah, feet. I think he's, he's listed yeah, six feet. I think, I think that's a stretch. He looks pretty <laughs> short. Probably closer to me, like 5'10". Yeah. Wow. It's <laughs> impressive. All right, boys. Well, this has been an awesome, awesome episode. Appreciate you both, uh, you know, making time to, to talk hoops. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Hopefully we'll have Chase and Dan back. Chase with some yummy, yummy tamales in his, uh, his tummy. And Dan with an injury-free ski day. Not like uh, yeah, I've seen him. I've seen him ski. It's rough out there. Pizza, pizza and French fries, man. So I gotta remember pizza and French yeah, fries. Good stuff. All right, boys. See ya. Talk to you later. See you guys. Peace.